All right. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Amen. And uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And our text verse today, we're going to read from 17 through 19. That was Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 uh, through 19. Uh, <clears throat> while you guys are turning there, for those of you that were here Wednesday night, I had touched on faith and went through Matthew uh, chapter 14. Well, not all of it, but a good portion of it went through uh, the loaves and fishes miracle. Also went through uh, Peter walking on the water to Jesus and how those have significant, uh, those are significant pictures to the Christian life. And uh, I was trying to figure out what I was going to preach this morning, and Holy Ghost kind of led me to this, which I think will really pick up from where I left off uh, in a different context, in a different section from Wednesday, but also has a good tie into Christmas and the birth of Christ and his reasonings of being born. And uh, so let's go ahead and get started here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19. It says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Now, a lot of you might kind of wonder, okay, well, what does that have to do with Christmas and, and all that stuff? Well, when you go and read the account in Genesis chapter 22, which we will get to, that is a beautiful picture of what Christ did for us at the cross. And he came and was born for that reason, to die on the cross. Amen? That You, you know that him, you know, born to die. And so... We see what we're going to see here is how is Abraham's faith. Um, God had told him to offer up his only son, Isaac, as a burnt offering. And that's what God did with his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. You know, God so loved us. He was willing to give his only begotten son to die on that cross for us. Not just that, but he went through scourgings, mockings, people spat at him, mocked him, punched him, plucked his beard, put a thorn of crowns upon his head. He went through a lot of stuff. But you know what? Jesus was willing to do it so that through him we can be saved. Amen. That through him we can go to heaven. Amen? Now, <clears throat> I want us to turn our attention, and if you want to turn here, it's, that's cool. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans 12, 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, the reason why I put that on there, because in the account of Abraham offering his son, Isaac is a picture of really 
two of two different people. We have Isaac is a picture of Christ being offered up, but he's also a picture of us. Because God told Abraham, don't lay, don't lay a hand on the child. And instead, there was a ram caught in the thicket by the horns, which is a picture of Christ, which is a substitutionary sacrifice. So instead of having Isaac, there was a ram. So what Isaac is, is a picture of being a living sacrifice. Why? Because he was put on that altar. He didn't fight his father. He was willing. What does that mean? What, what, what is that a picture of? That should be a picture of us being willing to come to the altar and give God our all. Just like how you have the, the boy who gave all his lunch to Jesus so that he could take it and feed the multitudes. He wants your whole heart. He wants the whole, the whole of you, not just part of you. And when you give your all to Christ, and when you strive to do that, you will be amazed at what God can do with your life. You see, when Saul, who then became Paul, surrendered, and he got saved, God took his whole life and did some amazing things with it. Amen? If God could do that for him, how much more could he do that for you? God is no respecter of persons. Um, <clears throat> James chapter 2, verse 21 to 23. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, saith, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him, for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. See, all Abraham did was believed, and it was imputed onto him for righteousness. See, that, that's what, that still happens today. If we believe on Christ, God will impute that as righteousness to your account. Not that you deserved it, but it's because you believed on Jesus Christ. And that's all, that's all he asks. Now, we take a look. Was not father, Abraham our father justified by works? Now, this is not to be confused or mistaken by a works salvation. Sorry about that. It's not confused to be a work salvation because it is not a work salvation. What we see is that Abraham's works exemplified his faith. In other words, Abraham had because Abraham had faith, the works that he did showed his faith. And that's how we ought to be as Christians. So the question I have for you today is, is does your works exemplify your faith? Does your works show that you have faith? Because faith without works is dead. And keep in mind that it's without, without Christ, you can do nothing. It's only through Christ and by the power of the Holy Ghost that you are able to do good works. And it's not you doing them, it's Christ doing them through you. Amen? <clears throat> now, so we see that what we're going to see here is that Abraham, his faith was, the works that he did demonstrated his faith. 
And so, um, James chapter 2, verse 14 through 20. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he had faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead. Being alone, yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Shew me thy faith without thy works, and I will shew thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devil also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? You see, just because somebody says they believe God, that doesn't mean much. Because James said that even the devils believe and they tremble. The question, the true, what I think is the true mark of a believer is they would be full of the Holy Ghost and faith. But not just any old faith, faith in Christ. And Jesus Christ alone, they have faith. But anybody could profess they believe God. You could profess to your to you could profess to know God till you're blue in the face and yet not be saved. Amen. You could be a conservative, you can vote Republican, you can do all these things, you can know all the conspiracy theories and be right and still go to hell. Why? Because all that stuff does not save you. It's only Jesus Christ that saves you. It's only faith through Christ that saves you. Now, um, we're going to take a look at the account of when Abraham offers his son. Um, so if you want to, uh, turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. It's going to be in the beginning, Genesis 22. And... Uh, it's actually pretty neat because uh, 22 is a number for Revelation. If you look in the book of Revelation, there are 22 chapters. And in Genesis 22 is where we see what God's plan of salvation is through the picture that he shows us through Abraham's faith. Uh, so starting in verse 1 here, it says, uh, in Genesis 22:1, it says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. Now, I have to stop right here and make, make a note of something, because, you know, you have the verse where it says uh, that no man is tempted of God. And when people take a look at this, they'll say, well, that's a contradiction. That, that, there's a mistake. Well, first of all, your Bible has no mistakes. Second of all, what people don't realize is that word tempted means tested. So when it says that God tempted Abraham, what God's telling you is he's testing Abraham, testing his faith. All right. So people got people have to understand that because there there can be confusion to that when they when they read that and then read something else entirely in the New Testament. The Old and New Testaments do not contradict each other. They complement each other. And to prove that, you know, when, 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 when Jesus came and when the apostles went out and preached, they didn't have the New Testament. What did they use? It was all Old Testament stuff. 
all the stuff that they said can be traced back to the Old Testament. So you see that stuff that's been written and said in the New Testament complements what's mentioned and said in the Old Testament by the prophets. Therefore, you know they complement each other. So if anyone tells you there's a mistake in their Bible, they're wrong. Amen? They, 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 they most likely don't know. They don't know the Bible as well as they think. Um, I just want to point that out because there is there can be confusion amongst that. But it's not as confusing as it looks when you understand it. Um, in verse 2 it says, And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. I don't know about you, but that, that, must, that must have taken a lot of faith. Because God said, I'll tell you which mountain to go to. He didn't know. But you know what? He won anyways. You know, that's the thing. If God tells us to do something, do we have the faith to step out of our comfort zone and go where God says to go? Because when we have faith in Christ, the faith that we have in Christ is being able to step out out of that comfort zone into where God calls us. You take a look at Peter. When Jesus called Peter on the water, what happened? He stepped out of the boat and actually walked on water to go to Jesus. That must have taken faith. But we know that eventually he doubted. But you realize that Peter stepped out of his comfort zone to go to Jesus. But it was in that moment when he took his eyes off Jesus that he began to sink. And so do we actually trust God enough to be able to step out out of our comfort zone and go to where he wants us? And we see that Abraham had tremendous faith in that area. He really trusted God. Um. In John chapter 3, verse 16 through 17, it's very well known. We know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God commandeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's important. Because Christ didn't wait till we were all perfect to die on the cross, did he? No. He died on the cross while we were yet sinners. Why? Because that would explain why he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, you, now we might say, well, well, we didn't have nothing to do with Jesus' crucifixion. We didn't put him on the cross. That was all the Jews. No. All of our sins put him on the cross. People don't see it that way. They think, oh, that's just them. No, it's everybody. All of our sins put him on that cross. And you know what? He willingly did it. There was a part of him that didn't want to do it. But he still chose to go through with it 
and to do it. Why? Because he loved us that much. Um, All right, so going uh, to verse 3 in Genesis 22. It says, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac his son enclaved the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went on to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his Young men, abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come unto you again. Wow. That 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 took a lot of faith to say that too. He didn't say he was coming back. No, he said he and his son were coming back. But what's even more interesting is Abraham said that the lad and I will go yonder and worship. You see, we... Sorry, turn my watch off. We tend to think that worship is just singing. But worship is a whole lot more than that. It's following Christ, obeying what he says, but also singing praise to him. There's a lot of things that go into worship. It's not just singing. Um, but we see that you know obedience is a form of worship. In Matthew 15, 9, it says, But in vain do they, they do worship me, teaching for, the, for doctrines the commandments of men. This is talking about the Pharisees. They worship him in vain. Mark 7, 7, How be it in vain do they worship me, teaching for the doctrines the commandments of men. Again, that's talking about the Pharisees. And I put that to show you that it's not just singing. There's a lot more to worship than just singing. Though singing is a big part of that. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 23, it says, Which things have indeed a shoe of wisdom, and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. So we see that, we continue to see from Scripture that it is a lot more than just singing praise and giving thanks. Um, Genesis chapter 22, and going back to verse 6 here. And it says, And Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, Father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? I want you guys to get a hold of this. This is a very prophetic statement that Abraham says to his son. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. You know who, you know who that lamb is? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is that spotless lamb that God provided for himself. And it's through that and through what Jesus Christ did and through his resurrection, we can have eternal life. And it's nothing that we deserve, but he does it by his grace. In first, uh, not first John, but John chapter one verse twenty nine. It says, "The next day John seeth Jesus coming 
unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John the Baptist, the forewarner of Christ, who we mentioned this morning. Behold, the Lamb of God. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God, the only Lamb of God. And not just the only Lamb of God, but the only Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1, verse 36, And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. In Acts chapter 8, verse 32, it says, The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearers, so opened he not his mouth. And 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 through 21. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. You know, if Christ resurrected from the dead, which he did, we have that promise and assurance that when we die, we'll eventually be resurrected. Amen? If Christ be, if, but if Christ be not resurrected, then our faith is in vain. So we see that, that the resurrection is just as powerful as his death. Uh, Revelation chapter 5 Verse 6, and it says, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Now going back to Genesis chapter 22, picking up in verse 9. It says, And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there. And laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called, out, called on to him out of heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. See, right there shows you what that word tempted means. God was testing him. And you know what? Abraham passed. Because as we read in our, in our verse, starting verses in context, that he considered that he would raise Isaac from the dead. Abraham, we see that Abraham has such faith. He was willing, even in the unknown parts of what he did not know, he was willing to go and do it in any ways. Why? Because God told him. He had so much faith, he had so much trust in God, that he would do anything that God would say. And we see that in this verse, proves it. And we saw that Abraham was willing to give his whole his his son, his whole son to God. Shouldn't we give our whole lives to Christ? Not just part of it? Abraham did. 
He didn't just do it for his son. He did it himself. He gave, he put his whole trust in God that he was willing to go and do what God said. Because he trusted God that much. He had faith in God that much. I know sometimes it is hard to have that faith, but that's why we have the Holy Ghost to help us. But we ought to strive to trust God that much. We ought to strive to have that same faith like Abraham did. You know, for all those who are born again, we are children of Abraham. Amen? The Bible does say that. We are children, for all those who are in Christ, we are children of Abraham. <clears throat> and, Abra- and, and continuing on, it says, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horn. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. So we see that in this picture, Isaac is a picture of Christ, but he's also a picture of us. That ram that was caught in the thicket was a picture of Christ. Why? Because that ram was a substitute for his son. Ain't God good? See, we deserve to die because of our sin. But Jesus so loved us that he went to the cross and took that so we wouldn't have to. Jesus Christ is our substitute, and he is our high priest. In Exodus 29, verses 16 to 18, And thou shalt slay the ram, and thou shalt take his blood, and sprinkle it round about the altar. And thou shalt cut the ram in pieces, and wash the in words of him and his legs, and put them into Onto his pieces and onto his head, and thou shalt burn the whole ram upon the altar. It is a burnt offering unto the Lord. It is a sweet savor, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And you know what? You know why animal sacrifice is done with? Because Christ is the fulfillment of it. He was that lamb that was offered as a burnt offering once and for all. Because the blood of goats and bulls will not wash away your sins for perm- on a permanent basis. It was a temporary means till when Christ came on the scene. But when Jesus Christ came and bled and died and resurrected, it is his blood that washes away your sins permanently and makes it look like it never even happened. Leviticus chapter 15 verse 18. And he shall bring a ram without blemish out of the flock with thy estimation for a trespass offering unto the priest. And the priest shall make an atonement for him concerning his ignorance, wherein he erred and wist it not. And it shall be forgiven him. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. That word are is present. We are healed. Second Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be the, made the righteousness of God in him. Now, picking up in uh, Genesis 22 and verse 14. It says, And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called 
unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Now, let's take a look at that for a second. It doesn't just say Israel. It says all nations. And if the Bible says all nations, that's all nations, including America. But America has been very disobedient towards God and his commandments. And eventually, God's going to have to do some judging in those areas. But when the Bible says that he will bless all nations, it means all nations. And it's not just limited to Israel. It says what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. For he saith, I heard... Thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Listen, if there's any good time to be saved, it's right here, right now. Don't wait till the night. Don't wait till tomorrow, because you're not guaranteed even the next hour. Right now is the time of salvation. People like to say, oh, I'll just do it on my deathbed. Well, that might be too late. And you don't know how you're going to die. God knows that, but you don't. That's why now is the accepted time. Romans chapter 13, verse 11. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. You know, when you think about the time that you got saved and you think about now. Right now we are closer to going home than when you got saved. Amen to that. I can't wait to go home and have a whole new body. That's all I got to say. I don't like this raggedy flesh. <laughs> hey, I'm just like y'all. You know, I got a flesh and I this flesh likes to cause problems. But praise God, we'll get a whole new body. Without sickness, without pain. And God will wipe away every tear. Won't he? There'll be no more sorrow. Be joyful. Romans 10.10 For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is who he says it is, and you confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. And it's very simple. You don't need to say a fancy prayer. All you just got to do is, Lord, save me. Forgive me of my sins. But you know where that you know where that comes from? That comes from being convicted by the Holy Ghost. Because people will say, "Well, boy, I got saved, this and this." But if there was no conviction, how is that true salvation? When you are convicted of your sin by the Holy Ghost and you repent and you ask the Lord to save you, that's where true salvation lies. Why? Because you, when you get convicted by the Holy Ghost, you know very well that you are a sinner on your way to hell and that you need a Savior. Amen. If people don't get convicted of their sin, 
What is that? How can anyone get saved without conviction? People like people don't like that though. Do you hear many churches nowadays preach on that? No. All you hear from a lot of these pastors is give me your money and God will bless you. That's your attitude. It's a really bad attitude to have because if if, if you're truly called in ministry, that is a calling that is not going to get you rich. Because people now, especially now, hate the truth. They hate God's word. They hate God's people. Unfortunately, it's only going to get worse. But you know what? Jesus said, I, he said, fear not, I am with you, even unto the end of the world. I will never leave you nor forsake you. See, this world will forsake you, which that's fine. But God will never forsake you. Amen. Uh, John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Neither is there salvation any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You know what that means? It means as it is. There is only one name that can can get you into heaven, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no other way to the Father but by me. What does that mean? The way to heaven is narrow. Hey, if people want to call me narrow-minded, that's fine. Because the path to heaven is narrow. And by the way, and the sad thing is, very few find it. Very few find it. That's alarming. But not surprising. But Jesus said, wide is the path to destruction. Many there be find it. So I want to close in saying this. As we reflect on Abraham's faith, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to strive to have that same faith that Abraham did. And as we go through this Christmas season and, and, and taking a look at the birth of our Lord, I want you to remember the real reason why he came. And that was to seek and to save that which is lost. As the hymn goes, he was born to die. And you know what? There is no greater love for a man to lay his life down for his friends. Amen? Let's all stand together.